Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here to take your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your prayer requests. We would love to pray for you here on the air and have the whole community of people listening be able to say amen in agreement. And we would love to answer your questions. So maybe you've been reading the Bible and had something come up that you've always been curious about or that you didn't understand. We'd love to talk with you about it and hopefully uh, help you get some clarity on those things and some understanding. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Here at the beginning of the show, always the best time to call in because we have open lines here at the start of the show, and it's a it's a great time if you've always wanted to get on the air. Now's the time to call in. I uh, want to say welcome to all of those of you who are listening wherever you're listening from. We know there's so many of you listening up and down the front range of Colorado and into southern Wyoming on Grace FM. That's our home base station here. And we also are syndicated on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So just great to see how God is growing this Calvary Live family in different parts of the country. And uh, we always enjoy getting these calls from the East Coast and from uh, Tennessee and uh, get don't get a lot of calls from Tennessee. We'd love to have more. So maybe those of you listening on Truth FM, Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you, answer some of your questions. We love getting all the calls from uh, from the East Coast, New Jersey, all the way down to D.C. It's been great uh, having uh, you guys call in, as well as those of you who are listening locally. So welcome to the program. And just a reminder that those listening on the East Coast and in Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. But uh, we would love for you to call in, and then you get to tune in the following week and listen to yourself live on the radio. But just a little bit of a heads up, because sometimes uh, people who are listening to the show in those areas will call in, and and just a, just a reminder to you that you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. But also a reminder that wherever you're at in the country or um, or around the world, you can listen live to to this program and to everything else on Grace FM via the Grace FM app. So just go to your app store and download the Grace FM app. You just type it in the search bar right there and it will pop it out and you download that and then you can listen live wherever you are. I listen to it on the go all the time on my phone as I'm out and about and uh, I actually listen to it uh, you know, as I'm running and doing other things. And so it's a great thing to have on you, that Grace FM app. And remember that you can also just go to gracefm.com if you're at a laptop or a desktop computer and you can listen right there in the browser. So however you tuned in today, welcome to the program. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. We have open lines right now, so it's a perfect time to call in. Uh, just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado, 
we meet in downtown Longmont and the St. Vrain Memorial Building. So if you are familiar with Longmont, Colorado, you probably know about the Memorial Building. We are uh, kind of the, it's kind of the hub for many things in the city, and we are proud to have church there on Sunday mornings. Uh, the St. Vrain Memorial Building is one block west of Main Street um, on Long's Peak Avenue in downtown Longmont. So um, we are at 700 Long's Peak Avenue, and we're right on the northwest corner of Long's Peak and Kaufman. So right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, the city park here in Longmont. And uh, we're a church that loves Jesus and we love to study the word of God. We go through the scriptures verse by verse and chapter by chapter, book by book. Currently, we are studying Paul's letter to the Romans. So we have been in our study of Romans for a couple weeks now, coming up on a couple months. We've taken a few breaks here and there, but uh, right now we are in chapter 8. And as we've been going through Romans, we've really slowed down as we've reached chapter 8 because we want to just soak up everything that is in this wonderful chapter. And I'm sure that those of you who are familiar with Romans chapter 8 know exactly what I'm talking about. It's this chapter that gives us so much hope and it gives us so much perspective. And we have just been uh, loving studying it. Uh, this coming Sunday is going to be our final study in Romans 8 where we're going to get to talk about this great kind of crescendo conclusion that uh, Paul comes to as he's been talking about the things of God and the spirit of God and what it means to be set free from sin and be alive in the spirit. Um, he says there in verse 31 of chapter 8, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or the sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So just uh, this great crescendo that he reaches here at the end of Romans chapter 8. That's what we're going to be focusing on and studying on. Uh, one thing that might be of interest to some of our callers, we're going to actually go back this Sunday and look again at verses 28 and 29, um, which, which say some kind of provocative things. So like verse 28 says, this very famous verse, we know that God works all things together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But then he says this, whom he foreknew, those he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I think that's really important. I think a lot of times people read Romans 8.28 and they see that God works all things together for good. And a lot of times we can bring some baggage into that, can't we? Like we can impose our um, assumptions or our thinking of what good is when we come to that verse and we think, well then, he must be working good according to my uh, definition of good or what I would like to happen. But then it, it kind of clarifies what the good is that God is working towards there in verse 29. It says that he, those whom he foreknew, uh, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so that is the thing which God, that's the good that God is working for in our lives. In all things, even in the bad things, God is going to use them for the lives of his children and he's going to use even the bad things 
for good. And what is that good? He's going to use those things to make us more like Jesus. Now, that might not sound exciting to everyone, but think about it. The more you think about it, the more you realize how exciting it is. Because if you think about who Jesus was, Jesus was, if you read uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, tells us that Jesus was the happiest person who ever lived. It says, uh, for example, um, it says that Jesus was the happiest person who ever lived. It says that, um, behold, uh, God, my God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all your companions because you loved righteousness and you hated wickedness. And I, it's such an important verse because uh, it's basically telling us that holiness leads to happiness. And in other words, if God's going to make us more like Jesus, that implies the fact that that is how we will be truly happy. That is how we will have true strength, true joy, true spirituality, true happiness is to become more like Jesus. And it really is for our best interest. Uh, let's go to Diana in Aurora. She has a question about Romans 8.28. Great. Hey, Diana, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Um, okay, I actually it's about Romans 8.29. So mm-hmm. I always get confused because it's like all things are, you know, work together. And you're like, okay, but then it says in 8.29 that are called according to his purpose. And I always get kind of scared that maybe I'm not called according to his purpose because I don't quite know what that means. Yeah, so I would say that Romans, that's actually still in Romans 8.28. So here's the verse that says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I would say that those two phrases, those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose are two ways of describing what a Christian is. And, um, and that's really important because they kind of show two sides of the coin. And okay. um, on the one hand, a Christian is a person who loves God, right? Like um, right. is a person who has seen something of God, his beauty, his grace, his truth, his strength. And they've responded to that by uh, committing themselves to following him and loving him. And, um, but here's the other thing that we know from the Bible, that we love him only because he loved us first. In other words, he initiates and we respond. And so that's where this other part comes in, called according to his purpose. So a person who is a Christian, number one, loves God, and number two, has been called by God. Now, um, that word called, in, basically what it means is that he brought us into a relationship with himself. He called, he made the offer, and he brought us into a relationship with himself. And so those are kind of just the two sides. I, I think if you're curious, you know, and, and I guess your next question would be, well, how do I know if I yeah. am one of those who has been called? Yeah. And um, my answer to you would be this. Um, do you desire to know the Lord and walk with him? Do you desire to be his child and to be called? Yes. And in that case, I would say that you are. And uh, I would say your responsibility in this is to respond to that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was always like, okay, well, so I've accepted the Lord. It's like he's knocked on the door. I've said, okay. And then I'm like, well, how do I know he called me? Maybe I just jumped in there and he wasn't ready. Right. No, uh, I was like, oh, uh, I just yeah. make sure I get there. Yeah, sure. And the thing is that the, the Jesus made it clear that um, no one can come to the Father unless he is, they are drawn by the Son. And so the okay. fact that you are drawn to the Lord, the fact that you have a desire to walk with the Lord, uh, obviously the door is open. And anybody who wants to have a relationship with the Lord can put their faith and trust in the Lord and become his child by faith. And so oh. I think you can have complete confidence in that. Okay, well, that makes me feel 
how you explain that makes me feel a lot better. It's like if you're if you're a Christian and he's called you, you are called to his support. He's you wouldn't be one if the spirit hadn't moved you. That is what I'm saying. That's right. Okay. All right. Okay, thanks. Awesome. God bless you. All right. God bye-bye. bless you. Bye. Well, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. After that call, now we have all open lines again. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. I was just talking before that last caller about how we are, um, we are studying the Book of Romans at our church in Longmont on Sunday mornings, so Whitefields Community Church. And just wanted to invite those of you in the Longmont area or in any of the surrounding towns, whether you're in the north, in Berthoud or in Mead, uh, Frederick, Firestone, Decono, the Carbon Valley area, of Erie, Lafayette, uh, North Boulder, Lyons, Niwot. We would love to have you come and visit us at Whitefields this Sunday. We're going to be finishing up Romans chapter 8. And one other thing I want to tell you about, that this Sunday we have kind of a local legend come in to visit us and help lead worship. His name's Dave Beagle. Some of you might be familiar with him. He's kind of like a guitar virtuoso, and he's also a worship leader in northern Colorado. And uh, he's going to be coming with Tom Ewing, which is uh, who is a legitimate, uh, in his own right, just great musician and worship leader in this northern Colorado area. So the two of them uh, have become good friends with our worship pastor, Mike Payne, here at Whitefields. And uh, Mike has invited them down for this coming Sunday. And this Sunday... Uh, September 16th is what we call Back to Church Sunday. It's kind of a, it's not just something that our church is doing. This is kind of a uh, national initiative of churches um, kind of doing this push where all the churches in the country are saying, hey, there are so many people out there who are Christians or who are believers, but they're not connected to a church. So let's just take a Sunday and uh, and do some a concerted effort to encourage the people in our churches to invite their friends and family to come back to church this Sunday. So if that's you, and you live near Longmont, we invite you to come and be with us. We're going to have some great music this Sunday with Tom Ewing and Dave Beagle. Uh, They just recorded an album called Intimate Worship, and they're going to be playing some songs from that and just leading us in worship. It's going to be great. And then we're going to be studying Romans chapter 8. We'd love to have you 10 a.m. Sunday morning at Whitefields Community Church. The website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And uh, we'd love to have you. Let's go to Michael in Wiggins, Colorado. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. What's up? Um, yeah, I had a question. I, I was wondering where the name or word God came from. Yeah. Um, where it originates. So you know that English is a Germanic language at its root. So English is kind of a mix of uh, Germanic language mixed with Romance language, meaning it's kind of a mix of French and German is where English comes from. The word God comes from um, the word ultimately, which is rooted in the word for good. And I think that's actually pretty cool that uh, the word God comes from the word uh, which, which ultimately meant good. But it is, it's a general word for God. And, um, and, and that actually reflects what is used in the Bible. Did you know that in the Old Testament, the word that they use for God is the word El or El, depending on how you pronounce it. And uh, it was actually a word that was used in other languages. It was just the generic word for God which is why you might remember that Moses, uh, when he was going up the mountain to meet God, or, or let's say at the burning bush too, he said, uh, God said, he, you know, he's clearly meeting a deity and he's being sent to speak to Pharaoh. And he asks God to give him the name of a God. Because if he goes to Pharaoh and just says, God sent me, Pharaoh's question is going to be, well, which God? There are lots of gods out there. 
And so um, that's when God gives him his personal name. So again, just uh, to be clear, it's the um, God is, is kind of the generic or general word for God. But we believe that there's only one God. Therefore, we use the word God to describe who he is. Does that make sense? What would, what would a Pharaoh called um, uh, God if he was, you know, like what, which God, what, you, what, what are you talking about? Um, what would he call, uh, call God? Well, see, um, I don't, I don't know in the Egyptian language what word they would um, have used for the general it. term for God. But of course, they had many gods, and those gods had personal names. Like the only one that comes to my mind is the god Ra, which was their oh, kind yeah. of supreme god, which was the god, the sun god. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, you bet. God bless you. All right. Uh, thank you, Michael. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, or if you have a prayer request, or if you'd like uh, advice about something going on in your life and you'd like to know what the Bible has to say about it, we'd love to talk to you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. We've been having a lot of texts come in, but we're going to give priority to the calls. So let's go to Anna in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Anna. Welcome Hello. to the program. Hello. Um, I just had a quick question. Great. So basically, I've heard from a couple of pastors in the past. Um, it kind of... Not necessarily the name and claim it type of stuff, but um, I've heard them say um, basically to claim uh, God, different promises of God um, for your life and that he will release things into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard of the term releasing, but I've never read about it in the Word, and I just didn't know if that was like a biblical concept. I don't know if you know what I mean, but... Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, sure, the term releasing, I, I can't think offhand of any... Bible verses that uh, would would um, be used in that context. Um, I will give you a few few examples that come to mind. So there there is this sense in which Paul the apostle would use these handkerchiefs. You remember in the Book of Acts, right? Paul would have these sweat cloths, which you know they lived in a hot place with no air conditioning, so people would carry sweat cloths, especially people who worked outside. Maybe even like people today do, who do construction work outside, and that uh, you know he was working uh, a full-time job. He was a tent maker, at least a part-time job, and he was also ministering, and so he wouldn't be able to go to all the people, but they were taking these sweat cloths of his, and they were taking them to people, and people would be healed um, by touching or grabbing or being near these sweat cloths. They'd lay them on people, and you know, how did that work, right? And so was there something special about his sweat? Did his sweat have like healing power or was his sweat like anointed or something? And probably the answer is no. So what a lot of people would say, and I agree with this, is that what those cloths functioned as or what they represented was kind of a point of contact by which uh, that helped people to uh, have faith. It helped them to have something tangible or something that they could grab onto which helped build up their faith. Some people would use the term release their faith. I'm not sure. I don't think I would use that term, but I I think that might be an appropriate use of that concept of releasing um, if that's what they mean by the term releasing. So it's a good thing you bring up there, Anna, that uh, we need to define the terms we're talking about. A lot of times, you know, you can get into these groups and especially groups that aren't really focused on the Bible as their main, um, you know, focus. 
uh, a lot of times they'll use certain jargon and things like that, and uh, it becomes kind of insular jargon. You need to find out what that jargon actually means. So what do they mean by that? And and I would ask them to define that. Okay, I'm sorry, so, I couldn't hear you. What did you say? I, I said I would ask them to define those terms. But if that's what they mean is just having a, a kind of point of contact that helps people release their faith, I think that I would agree with that and say that that's biblical, and that is really kind of the only biblical example that comes to mind that I could give you. Okay. Um, on the other hand, I will say one more thing, is that I do think that um, their the thing with prosperity gospel, here's, here's what's not good about it, is I think that we shouldn't just write it off as saying that, um, you know, anybody who's saying that God wants you to be prosperous is bad. I think that uh, here's here's what I think is wrong. It's what I would call over-realized eschatology. Now I realize that sounds like a very like a like a mouthful and maybe hard to understand, but it's not. And I want to explain to you what it is. See, the Bible says that a lot of things will be true in the end, right? When the kingdom comes in fullness. And right now we live at a time where the kingdom has come in part but not yet in full, right? And the, the way the Bible, the New Testament describes this is like dawn. So if you can think about dawn, dawn is a time when the darkness of night has been broken, but yet the sun has not yet crested the horizon and, and driven away the darkness completely. So it's a time when uh, light and darkness both appear at the same time, but yet neither of them are in full force. And there's a way in which this is exactly, that's what the Bible describes uh, as the time that we're in, in the New Testament, that the, we're in the dawn and soon uh, the daybreak will come. And actually it speaks of Jesus as the morning star. The morning star is actually the planet Venus. It's the last star that you can see in the sky before, before the sun rises. And you see it, you can still see it at dawn. Um, and so if you've ever been up and dawn, you, you can still actually see this one star in the sky. And that's what it's referring to. And what that means is it's the dawn star. And the dawn star, or the, the, um, the, the last star that you see in the day, is the signal uh, that, um, you know, the, the dawn has come. And any second now, the sun will crest the horizon and the new day will dawn and, um, and it will be a new day. And so what the Bible tells us lots of things about this new day that is coming. For example, it says that in the new day that's coming, the new heavens and the new earth, there will be no more sickness. There will be um, no more poverty, right? All the things that are the curse of sin and death will not exist yeah. anymore. Now, where the uh, prosperity gospel gets it wrong uh, is in this, what they, what I call and what theologians call, um, they call it over-realized eschatology, which means that they expect that those things which will be, which will happen in the fullness of the kingdom will also happen always categorically now if we do everything right. In other words, mm -hmm. it puts the impetus on us to do things right in order for things to come. So if, if you are not receiving those things, like if you're not rich, if you're not healthy, if, if you're not getting the things you pray for, then there must be something wrong with you. And, yeah. and so they put this burden on people. When um, See, what Jesus did is he came and he, he was a representative of the kingdom that is to come. And he kind of like, I guess you could say, opened the windows to the kingdom that is to come, right? And so mm -hmm. everything Jesus did was a manifestation of the kingdom. So he heals people. That's a manifestation of the kingdom t that is to come in which there will be no more sick people. 
right? And, and things like that. So uh, I think that's the biggest issue is that they, they are forgetting the fact that uh, the kingdom has, yes, come, but it has not yet come in fullness. Now, yeah. on the other hand, you can also have an under-realized eschatology. And these are the people who, who don't believe in anything miraculous. And they, um, they don't believe that God does, you know, want these things and that those things will come. And, and so those are the people who are kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I, I hope yeah. that helps you a little bit. It definitely does, yeah. I um, I think just with the releasing thing, I've heard people say that, um, you know, if you claim things, um, uh, you know, claim God's promises over your life, like He will release joy, um, and He will release power, He will release, you know, and then kind of fill in the blank. So that's kind of what I was wondering about. But it, I'm, um, I what you said does make a lot of sense, mm. and um, I agree with what you've said. So cool. And I'll say, I'll say one more thing, if you uh, don't mind, yeah. just one last thing. There is a sense in which, you know, they'll use this phrase like name it and claim it. There mm-hmm. are things which we should name and claim. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, for example, in Ephesians, right, we read about all of these things which God says are true of us, right, that we are adopted as children, that we are, um, you know, we have an inheritance, that we are loved, that we are chosen, and those are absolutely things that we should name and we should claim those things over our lives. We should take hold of those promises and live them out. Those things have been given to us. It's uh, a done deal, you might say. Whereas on the other hand, but the problem is that they take that thing, which is a good thing to do in some cases, and they'll take that and they'll apply it to other things like uh, a car or a house or a um you know, and then it, it, it becomes an issue of positive confession and this concept that they get into of how our words, they say, oh, we're created in the uh, image of God and God's a creator and therefore I'm a creator, right? They make a huge jump right there. Like God's words are creative and therefore my words are creative. So if I say anything like um, I, I have a Mercedes Benz, then uh, it will happen because I have been given creative power by God in my words. And I do not believe that that is what is intended by the idea that we're created in the image of God. And I think it's kind of an abuse of it. And it's also usually quite selfish, right? Like when people do that, it's not like they're claiming blessings for um, like people who need water in Africa. But instead, it's just kind of like uh, things that they want that are usually inherently selfish. So That makes sense. Cool. Hey, thank you for your call and God bless you. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. The number to call, 303-690-3000. Again, 303-690-3000. We're coming right up on our break, but before we do that, let's go to Jason in Littleton, Colorado. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the program. Hi there. Hi Hi. there. Hi, welcome um, to the program. Uh, yep, well, I just got a prayer request. And, okay. Uh, my daughter passed away six months ago, and I've been kind of putting off this call. Oh. Um, still having, Jason, I'm sorry. Yeah, still working through it. I know I called a lot during the first quarter of the year. and I think I remember prayer that. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. Ashlyn with her uh, hypoplastic left heart. Okay. And she passed away. She what? She passed away, is what you said. Yes, she did. 
Jason, I'm really sorry to hear that. And, um, you know, I, I think we take so much joy in knowing that she's with the Lord, but that doesn't take away the fact that she's not with you, and that hurts. And uh, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. But Jason, um, can I pray for you? Yes, please. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I uh, pray for Jason, and I pray for his family as they're missing this part of their life. And, um, Lord, we know that uh, we take comfort and joy. We, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We, we do grieve as those who do have hope. Um, but, Lord, it's still grief. And so I pray for Jason, Lord, that you would comfort him in his grief. I pray for his family that you would do that. Thank you for the time that they had with their daughter. And I pray that, uh, Lord, uh, that they would be reunited with her in, in the future, Lord, that they would continue walking with you, that you would encourage their faith and be with them in this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. God bless you. We are going to break right now, and we're going to be back in two minutes' time. You're listening to Calvary Live. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. I'm here with you taking your calls and texts live on the air. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's something you've read or been confused about or heard and you'd like to know what the Bible says about it. We'd love to help you uh, find that answer. And so you can give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or call us with your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you here on the air and have others who are listening be able to agree and say amen together with us. You can also text us 720-336-0897. We give priority to the calls, though. Um, again, my name is Pastor Nick Katie. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. We're a church in Longmont, Colorado, and we'd love for you to visit us. This coming Sunday, we have Back to Church Sunday, so if you've been looking to get back to church, we want to encourage you to do that this Sunday. And we have um, some special guests joining us this Sunday. If you like music, then this would also be a good uh, opportunity for you to come and, and be with us this Sunday at Whitefields. We're going to be having Tom Ewing and Dave Beagle, kind of Northern Colorado, ah, excuse me, Northern Colorado uh, musical legends uh, visiting us here at Whitefields and leading worship. And so that'll be this Sunday. Um, we'd love to have you. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can go on there, find directions and all that kind of good stuff on there and listen to all of our past messages and find out news about the church. Another thing we do here that I'd love to tell you guys about, we do a school of ministry, and we are going to be starting up our new semester in the beginning of October. And so in the beginning of October, we're going to be running three classes. Two of them are still available for sign-ups. So if there's anybody out there, whether you're in our local area or you're willing to drive in, we've had people drive in uh, all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming before for these classes. So we're going to be doing a class called Overview of the Old Testament. Uh, we're calling it aerial view of the Old Testament, but it's kind of a flyby of the Old Testament, kind of the 30,000-foot view and get a uh, really good understanding. That's an eight-week class. It'll be on uh, Tuesday nights. And then we are going to be doing a class called Reason to Believe, which is an introduction to apologetics. So if you ever want to take a class on apologetics, we're going to be offering one starting the first week of October. We call our school of ministry, we call it Bible College for people who don't have time to go to Bible College. And so if you'd love to be a part of that, uh, email us, info 
at whitefieldschurch.com. Info at whitefieldschurch.com. We'll get you more information on that. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Our goal is just to equip people with um, with tools and, and uh, knowledge that they can use to minister to others and to do the work of God. So we'd love to have you be part of that. Those classes are all free. And you can find out more information at whitefieldschurch.com or email us, info at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to uh, Dana from Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hi, Dana. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks so much for taking the call. Just got a quick question that there's a purpose why I'm asking. Okay. Um, back in back in the Old Testament, you know that first book, Genesis, and God made the earth and all the things in it in six days. Yeah. Now, is it six literal 24-hour days? Is it six whatever God says his days are? And does it really matter? Yeah, I think it does matter to a degree. And uh, I think, though, that sometimes people make, uh, they'll kind of, you know, make these categorical statements like, if hey, if you don't believe that it was 24 literal hours, then you don't believe anything in the Bible. And I don't actually think that's true. Um, but here, here, I'll give you my opinion on it, but then I'll give you a few other opinions and why they think that, and then I'll, I'll let you go. So my opinion is, uh, yes, six days of creation. Now, keep in mind, I am a theologian, not a uh, biologist. So my take on it is my, I'm trying to understand what is the scripture trying to communicate. And to me, I think if I'm just, here are a couple rules when it comes to uh, exegesis, which is the, the study of trying to expose what the meaning of the text says. Okay, so uh, one of the rules is you want to go with the simple meaning. Right? So the Bible was written to be understood. And so we go with the simple meaning. And it, it seems that it's talking about six days. And a few reasons why we think it's talking about six literal days is that uh, later on, those six days are referred to. And it says, for example, um, when the law is given about the Sabbath, it says that God rested on the seventh day, and therefore you shall work six days and rest on the seventh day. Now, whether those were literal six days or not, I, I think it's trying to say that they they were, or at least they represented six literal days. My take on it, a simple reading of the scriptures would have us believe that it is six 24-hour periods. Secondly, uh, I also believe that God is able to do that if he wants. I mean, if God is able to create the earth, why would he not be able to create it in six days? Now, people would say, but if you look at things, it looks like uh, the earth is older you know, and and they would say, well, how could that possibly be? Or it appears that some degree of, of time went by. Um, and I also believe that just as God created Adam and Eve, not as uh, infants who had to grow up, or even as fetuses, you know, uh, that he created them as adult human beings, I believe he was also able to create what we would call a mature earth. Um, the uh, Here's the other kind of caveat I would put on that is that I have friends, I have a good friend here at Whitefields who works with a group called the Discovery Institute. And they are a um, kind of there, you know, throughout the country, a national organization that uh, works in, they try to work in really scholarly groups and, and try and put forth really scholarly research on the topic of what they call intelligent design. They try not to use the word creation because they feel like it's that term is not respected much in the scholarly communities, but uh, intelligent design is. So they use that, but Discovery Institute, and they do events in Denver. They, they're based out of Seattle. They do some really good stuff. And my friend would argue that um, 
and by the way, he is a scientist, um, whereas I am not. Um, and he would say that they, they, they would say that those six days represent six uh, figurative days. They represent six, perhaps you would call them epochs. Um, I have another friend here at our church who is a literal rocket scientist. I love talking to him because I always try to mention in our conversations that I'm not a rocket scientist, but he is. And so uh, he never gets tired of hearing that, just uh, I assume. I never asked him, but um, he always kind of gives me a pity laugh whenever I say that he's a rocket scientist, whenever I mention the fact that he's a rocket scientist. Anyway, he, he on the other hand, is also a mathematician, and he, he does believe that looking at things and the way that it all works, he does actually argue for a literal six 24-hour days. So there's that. Um, here's the one thing I would I would want people to know from a... Um, a theologian's point of view, that Genesis chapter 1 is written in Hebrew as poetry. And the question is, is poetry meant to be understood literally? Well, and my answer would be sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. So I think that's the one thing to understand is that Genesis 1 isn't necessarily meant to be read as a science text. It is meant to be read as a poetic text. It's, called, it's, a, it's speaking about the beauty of the creation of the world and it's trying to put it in beautiful terms and so is it using figurative language personally i don't believe it is but i understand that there are people who do believe it is and they're not necessarily heretics let's put it that way so that's my two cents on that very, very quickly um thank you so much for your explanation um so very quickly uh, since the bible does not say it was 24 literal days and we're having a bit of a discussion at, uh, with a group of people, and they're saying it was clearly 24-hour day, days because the sun came up and the sun came down. And that's chapter 4, I mean, uh, day 4. But what about day 1, 2, and 3? There was no sun up and sun down because he hadn't made the sun and the moon yet. So and my, my real bottom-line question is, um, if a church is asking us to sign a piece of paper saying that you must believe it was 24 literal hours, I, I, would you feel comfortable with that? I guess that's my bottom line question here. Um, yeah, I would want to know why they're asking you to sign that paper, um, and I, I guess that would be my, my take on it. I think that this is something I've said before, is that... Um, you know, we have to choose which hills to die on. Again, I do actually believe it's 24 literal uh, hours. And here's here's a reason. Let me give you two quick reasons. Verse 3 of Genesis 1 says this. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, God saw the light, and that was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Evening and morning. Okay, so clearly... He and the second and the second reason. So that's number one. But is kind of an explanation of that. This is using human language, and we are human beings, and we know what days are, and we know what evening and mornings are, right? And so it's using language that we understand. And if it was really just speaking figuratively, why would it go out of its way to mention that there was evening and morning? That would be my argument. Now, look, if you uh, don't believe. So I, I've talked to people who say, you know, I'm not a six-day creationist, and people say, oh, you believe in evolution. They say, absolutely not. I do not believe in evolution. I believe that God created things. Um, 
but they'll just say, you know, I'm trying to match up what I see in science with what I see in the Bible. And they'll say, so, so my friend, for example, from the Discovery Institute, he'll say, no, I do not believe in theistic evolution at all. In, in fact, he would say, not even one little bit. But I, I don't believe they were six 24-hour periods. Now, um, this man is, is being honest and sincere. He is not trying to compromise at all in the Bible. He's trying to be faithful to what he sees in science and in the Bible. Um, and I can respect that. And, and so my, my point on this is, is this, that there are things which uh, we want to say we must have unity on these things. And, and we do make people sign papers about those things, right? Like if you want to be baptized in our church, there are certain things that you should believe. And if you don't believe them, then we're going to say you're not actually a Christian. Uh, but those won't be secondary issues. Okay, and so in my opinion, whether these were six literal days or six not literal days, uh, meaning six 24-hour periods or not, uh, I do think that is a secondary issue. Um, now, what I don't think is a secondary issue is, did God create the earth? The Bible clearly says that he did. Um, and so that's not negotiable. But again, I think that we can still have a discussion as family over whether or not these were six 24-hour periods. So I just want to know why, why they would want you to sign that paper. Um, personally, I would probably sign it because I do believe that, but um, I guess I would want to know their motive before I did anything else. Super. Well, that, that helps me a lot. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. Next up, Victor in Strasburg, Colorado. Hi, Victor. Welcome to the program. How you doing, Pastor Cady? Doing great. What's up? Uh, so I had a question about mentorship. Um, I'm a relatively new Christian, and, you know, I've been doing really good listening to, you know, Grace FM and um, turning to my Bible when I have questions and things like that. Uh, but I think I'm getting to a point where I could really use some real-time mentorship mm-hmm. um, from, from another Christian, uh, preferably another Christian man that can help me with uh, situations like, you know, being a... Um, a Christian father, um, how to handle anger, how to handle, you know, just daily situations. And as opposed to, you know, running right and trying to thumb through it and find something that sticks, um, I, I think maybe a personal relationship would definitely help me here. But, you know, my question is, um, uh, in your opinion, a good way to go about that, because I don't want to just be some weirdo that walks up to a guy <laughs> that... I think would be a good mentor and be like, hey, man, you, you, you want to be my mentor? Um, just looking for some guidance there. I, I have talked to my pastor a little bit. Um, he's mentioned some life groups uh, and a couple of people that are, you know, leaders to help with that just hasn't seemed to click. So if you got any advice, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, my, I think you've already taken the first step that I was going to recommend, which is talk to your pastor. Um, and I think that, you know, Here's, here's the kind of principle in this is that I think it's the responsibility of the mentee to seek out the mentor. And furthermore, if you, if you are seeking mentorship from somebody who would be weirded out by you coming to them and asking, you, asking to be mentored, uh, they're probably not the person for you. So you want somebody who understands what mentorship is and who is excited about it. So that would be uh, my advice. I would look for somebody who is a couple steps ahead of where you are meaning somebody who's gone before you and experienced maybe some of the things that you're now experiencing. Um, and it sounds like that's what you're looking for. So I would maybe ask your pastor to 
to not just recommend, you know, some groups, but maybe to personally introduce you to some people. And, um, and I would go to those groups and, and tell them exactly what you're looking for and why. And I'm telling you, somebody who's a true mentor is going to understand it and they're going to be excited about that. I know myself, you know, um, I get excited when people come to me and tell me that they're looking for mentorship. And uh, it's pretty easy for me to plug them into somebody or, or some kind of situation where they're going to be mentored um, because I know those people who would do a good job at it. So that would be my take on it. Um, I would also, I know there's a lot of great men's ministries. I don't know what it's like out in Strasburg or that part of Colorado, but um, I'd also look for some, some strong men's ministries, maybe some interdenominational stuff, um, or if your church has one. And go there and, and talk to the leader there because somebody who's leading a men's ministry is going to really understand the importance of mentorship and what it entails. All right, I'll keep pursuing it. I know we're supposed to look towards the Word for answers, but I also know that iron sharpens iron. So no, you're absolutely definitely right. I appreciate that. Yeah, we cannot become the people God wants us to be apart from committed Christian community. And I think that uh, that's a noble desire you have. So let me pray for you, Victor. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray for Victor and ask that you'd lead him to the right mentor. I pray that as he seeks that person, you'd guide him to the right person away from maybe people who are the wrong choice. And I pray that that person, when, uh, when they get into that mentoring relationship, that it'd be really healthy and that it would really help Victor in his walk with you and to navigate being a Christian man in all the different areas of his life. So I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Victor. Pastor, you rock. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air. About 12 minutes left in the program. Let's go to Shelly in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Shelly. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. My question is, I was reading in Revelations, I believe, chapter 4, about the seven spirits of God. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to guess at it. I would rather someone tell tell me what that means. Yeah. Okay. So there are a couple different interpretations. Um, I'll give you both of them, and then we can talk okay. about which one seems uh, more biblical. So this is the seven. Uh, so some people would say number one. The first interpretation is that, as you mentioned in Revelation, that is mentioned four times: the seven spirits, and. Yeah. Um, the one interpretation is that the seven spirits represent kind of the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit as uh, described in the book of Isaiah. So here's what it says there in Isaiah, and I'm trying to find the reference. This is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So those seven things, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. I believe that was seven. Okay, so, um, yeah, the other interpretation is that um, the seven graces or charisma, you know, uh, charisma means gift or grace. Um, The seven uh, mentioned in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, reflect... Uh, the sevenfold ministry of the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit manifests through these graces, um, and they are, number one, insight or prophecy, helpfulness or service and ministry, instruction and teaching, 
encouragement and generosity, guidance and compassion. So once again, insight, helpfulness, instruction, encouragement, generosity, guidance and compassion. And some people would say that those actually correspond with Isaiah 11 and the, the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit described there as well. So, so is, that, is that kind of like God's, um, uh, I'm not probably not saying it right, but like his identity of who he is? Yeah, I think there's a lot more to God's identity than just those things. It seems to me that oh, okay. there's kind of the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. It's pretty cool, though. I just stumbled on that, and I never realized before. Yeah, no, that I, is. I'd have never cool. known. So I was way off on my thinking, because I was thinking, what? Like, like seven spirits, like the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit? But I was way wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I know there there are some people who have gone way off with different uh, interpretations of that and said, you know, I sure actually, did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another okay. view on this, by the way, um, is that they are speaking of seven angelic beings, uh, and that would fit with numerous other angelic beings um, described in the book of Revelation. I guess my, my personal take on it is that one that corresponds like with Isaiah 11, Speaking of the spirit of counsel, power, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, those things. So, all right, that does that does make a lot of sense. And cool. Sounds really good. Um, lastly, can I ask for prayers for me and my family? Yeah, absolutely. Anything in particular? Would you just like me to pray for you? I'm uh, just praying. The Lord knows. Okay. Heavenly Father, we pray for Shelley and her family. And Lord, absolutely, you do know. Uh, what's going on with them. You know their needs and you know what the best thing for them is. And uh, Lord, as, as we read in your word earlier, Lord, you, are work, you have committed to working for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. And so, Lord, I pray that in your knowledge and wisdom of what ultimately is good for them, that you would bless them and you would work these uh, things going on in their life together for good and for your glory conforming them to the image of your son. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. Okay, God bless you, Shelley. You too, bye. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have eight minutes left in the show. Let's go over to the text line. If you'd like to call in, we could probably get in one more call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us 720 336 0897. Let's go to our first text, which is this. Is it okay for a man and a woman in their 70s to live together and not be married? Um, I don't think there's an age limit on God's kind of moral requirements and uh, or moral his um, his moral standards. So the answer to that is no. Like it's not like, you know, once you pass the age of 69 now, the Bible doesn't apply to you as much as it applied to you before. So the answer is no, and neither is it okay for a man and a woman in their 80s to live together and not be married, or even in their 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s. You you get the drill. Uh, being young doesn't necessarily equip you, or sorry, being a certain age doesn't equip you um, to not have to listen to what the Bible says. Now, a follow-up question for that would be, does the Bible ever actually explicitly um, prohibit sex before marriage or sex between 
people who are not married, but they live in a, some kind of committed relationship? And the answer to that is that, um, yes, the Bible does make it clear that uh, that is not the way. It, now, it doesn't actually come out and say things like, you know, thou shalt not live together if you're in your 70s and you don't want to get married. Um, it doesn't, of course it doesn't say that. It also doesn't say, uh, you know, thou shalt not do, you know, thou shalt not go 60 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone. There are a lot of things the Bible doesn't say explicitly, but it teaches principles which, uh, from which we can derive and we can apply things to our lives that are very clearly taught in Scripture through the principles that are taught. So the Bible says that a man and a woman, um, you know, sexual relationship, a romantic relationship, committed relationship should be in the bounds of marriage, one man and one woman before God for the rest of their lives. And my only question to people who uh, question that is, well, why? why? Why are you even asking? So my question to this texture would be, why are you even asking? What is what is the reason why you would want to know this? Clearly, there's a story behind it. So that, that would be my answer. So I hope that answers your question. Let's go to a caller. Let's see Maddie in Castle Rock. Hi, Maddie. Welcome to the program. Hi. How you doing? Doing great. What's up? Uh, I need to pray for my marriage, um, more specifically for my husband. We're both going through uh, some hard times right now, and we're separated, so I'm just praying that we can uh, figure out how to get back together and take the steps that we need to do that. Um, I'm hoping that both of us will be open to going to counseling and um, just changing some of the things in our lives that have led us to this point, really. Yeah. Um, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, pray for Maddie and her husband, and Lord, my heart goes out to them in this time when they're struggling and, and having a hard time being separated. But Lord, I pray that this time of separation would be a time in which you work very deeply in their hearts. Lord, I pray that there would be forgiveness, reconciliation, there would be repentance, and Lord, that truly there would be change, not first in behavior, but change first in hearts. And Lord, that from that change that takes place in their hearts, Lord, that the, the behavior would flow out from that. And so, Lord, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would do a deep work in their hearts. And, uh, and that this time, Lord, would be a time of healing, drawing near to you, and that the end result of this would be a bringing together of them again in restoration and that it would be glorious, it would be to the praise of your glory and your strength and your grace that you have done this work in their lives. I pray that the time would come, and very soon, when they look back on this period of their lives, and they use this as a testimony to other people, and they say, you know, there was a time when we uh, struggled, when we were even separated, but God brought us back together, and he did a work in our lives, and we're not the same people that we were then. So Lord, I pray that truly transform them from the inside out by your spirit, by your word. I pray that both of them would be drawing near to you. They would be obeying you and walking in your ways. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'd love to hear from you again, Maddie, once uh, you guys have turned the corner and are doing well. So make awesome. sure to give yeah, me a I call. Will. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. We are reaching the end of our program today. Uh, we've got time for one more text message here. It says this, Why do we send missionaries to Europe and other first world countries that have access to the gospel when there are countries full of people that have never heard the gospel? Well, that's a great question. Um, and it's one that's very personal to me. I was a missionary to Europe myself uh, until 
a few years ago. So I was a missionary for 10 years in Hungary, which is not a first world country. It's what we would call second world country. It's a former communist bloc. And so not quite third world, but not quite, definitely not first world. And um, But here's the other thing, is that while I was over there, I saw in Europe some reasons why the first world countries of the world absolutely need more missionaries. For example, did you know that Sweden is statistically the most atheistic country in the world? Sweden, right? So you can imagine how hard it would be to convince people that you needed to go as a missionary to Sweden. The second most atheistic country in the world is the Czech Republic. The beautiful city of Prague is a, it's a very atheistic place. It's a place that has rejected God and, and and yet missionaries don't go there because there's this kind of uh, taboo about going to a wealthy country. It's much easier to say, hey, I'm going to, as a missionary to some place in Africa, for example, where, um, you know, underdeveloped country. And so, but here's another really interesting thing. Did you know that sub-Saharan Africa statistically is the most uh, evangelical Christian part of the world? That the gospel, by God's grace and to his glory, has gone out in Africa and very many people have become Christians. Like Uganda, for example, one of the most Christian nations in the entire world. And, and yet, um, the question is, where? what makes a missionary a missionary? And here's what I would tell you, that this whole world is God's mission field. You know, he doesn't see uh, the national borders that we see. Now, God sees people, and he sees people in need. Now, certainly there is such a thing as culture, and we should be mindful of that because culture shapes things, right? So the fact that Sweden has this huge number of atheists uh, and opposed to other parts of the world, there's a cultural aspect there. And so I believe that God would want us to send missionaries not only where we see physical needs, but also where we see spiritual needs. Now, if there are countries where they have not heard the gospel, we should absolutely endeavor to send missionaries to those places as well. Hey, thank you for the question. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Um, Calvary Live every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Tune in, and I will be with you again next week. God bless you, and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.